Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode four of Wind and Rain. Remember, if you like this story, it's available on Amazon.com and www.osuz504.tech. That's osuz504.tech. And be sure to check out Ozzy's new long-running story of the week, posted on the homepage for your viewing pleasure. It's called Sanctuary. There's some mutants, a shape-changer named Lonely, fire that rains from the sky, an evil overlord named Bishop, set in the broken desert that the American Southwest is likely to be in a hundred years or so, when we finally destroy what's left of the water system. Should be fun. Go check it out. Now, wind and rain. Chloe stood on the edge of a vast plain. Red dust scuttled in tiny whirlwinds, but otherwise it was silent. Still. Dead. It was the stillness of the aftermath, she realized, as she walked forward a little, cresting a small lip in the dust. A shallow crater filled with bodies, horribly mutated, changed, black with something she knew instinctively not to touch or get near. All dead, decapitated. Oozing black ichor seemed to eat away at the dead flesh even as it lay there. Chloe shuddered. Her body was different, she realized, as her dream form continued over the plain. Taller, leaner, more muscular. Another tiny whirlwind swirled around waist-length bronze hair. Hers. Her fingers were longer, more graceful. Who am I? she wondered, but the empty plane didn't respond. Nothing but the sound of wind and stillness. She was looking for something, something important, and in a moment she found it. Silence, her silence, was lying in a pile of the dead and dying. His face was almost gone, half-melted black with whatever ichor seeped from the bodies he lay on. His legs and torso were gone. In their place, he'd magically attached what could have been a demon's limbs, a scorpion's midsection, a lion's lungs, a temporary, last-ditch effort body held together with a thin and fading spell. He was breathing hard, being eaten away under the blackness seeping over his head and neck, tiny little gasps as he tried to call out or do something, but he was too tired to resist, too spent to do anything but lay there and whimper as the contamination covered him and his last spells disintegrated. She knelt next to him. One eye rolled to see her. No, it seemed to say. Get away. Leave me. Half his ruined mouth opened, but no words emerged. She ran her fingers through his hair. Instead of the softness she was used to, it was crusty, matted with red dirt and blood and the terrible nothingness that slipped onto her fingers, trying to consume her, too. She felt her own golden bat magic building unfurling from her as she leaned down to press her lips against his. She breathed out and let jasmine shoots climb over them, golden tendrils that augmented his spell, making it permanent, healing him, reshaping his shattered bones and body. She broke away to take another breath, this time leaning back into the touch of his face with both hands, pressed another kiss against him as the blackness spread over both of them. This time, indigo black and gold swirled together, pushing back the contamination, burning it away with dark and light flames. She bent those flames, weaving them into a crown of thorns she set on Silence's head. As it settled into place, there was a flash of light, of banishment, as the blackness was sucked up into the crown and flung into the void with a whispered word of power from her. You should not be here, he said to her, pushing himself up to sit and shaking with the effort. Then you would be dead, she said reasonably, moving to sit between his legs so he could wrap his arms around her and lean on her back. Are they safe? He paused, burying his face against her hair. I told you not to wait for me. 
but the words were soft and whispered, filled with relief. Fear. Loneliness, she knew, was a cancer in him. I told the others to run, to tell you I was dead. They are, and they did, she said, moving her hands in soothing circles on his forearms. It was enough. I just couldn't leave you. He said nothing, but she felt his muscles release infinitesimally as he leaned more deeply on her. Are you ready to go home now, she asked. There was a long pause. I lost, Phoebe. I failed. I should be dead. I deserved it. Rip apart in the void. Yet you are not, she whispered. Ibis, if you're tired, come home. Rest. You're still here. You're still needed. I still need you. You can't leave us yet. We can recover and we can try again. If you're with us, please don't forget. Another fractional moment of relaxation against her, and Phoebe took the opportunity to bind her own body with stiff bark and anchor herself with a golden root as she lifted her husband onto her back, reaching out to press a hand to the open air. It unfurled like a fern into a gate, to crossroads, home. We are not defeated yet, husband. Today is not your day to die. Idis! Chloe shot up in bed. Her name is Idis, she thought collapsing back onto her pillow, heart-pounding from the dream. Was that a memory? She looked at her familiar hands, calloused, thicker, chewed-off nails, nothing like the elegant image from her dream. She touched her own short, bobbed hair. Was that me and her or him or whatever? She moaned in the back of her throat in sheer disgust at this new complication. This would have been so much easier if I didn't remember. What have I done? And then I opened a gate and brought us home, said Chloe, recounting her dream to Hurricane as the storm woman led her to the usual workroom for their daily torture ritual. Interesting, said Hurricane. And this is the first time you've had one of these dreams? Yes, said Chloe. It felt familiar. And not like a dream familiar, you understand. I was, I was there. And the planes and the monsters were just like the ones I saw when I was healing silence. I mean, exactly the same. That has to be important, right? I think it's very important, said Hurricane, opening the gate for Chloe and again touching her hand to it, sealing the room in reflective turquoise, just as before. I think, given the circumstances, that we might need to change today's lesson just a little bit. Oh, said Chloe, trustingly. Lightning quick, Hurricane wrapped an inhuman claw of a hand around Chloe's neck and plunged her into the pool, holding her down. Chloe fought, seeing only the wavering image of the Leviathan above her as she cast and failed, screaming, inhaling water. Her magic slipped away from her, heavy, suffocating pressure as water filled up her lungs and shut off her brain. Ida's paced. The normally calming influence of her study didn't seem to be working lately. She stopped to stare up at the veil, the shifting patterns of energies between the realms, the structure her magic defined and built, the thing that held the natural world from the from the human world, from the world of the Fae, and all the other other realms that drifted in and out of the universe. All of them met here and touched her veil, whispering along it like waves on the ocean. Organized, controlled, contained. It was beautiful today, like every day. But instead of comforting her like usual, it made her restless. Master, said Judas gently from the door. You have audiences now. He glanced at his clipboard. There are several individuals who will need help moving. Cancel it. 
she said, hearing the impatience and dismissiveness in her voice. But master, that would mean, I know what it means. Cancel everything. Drown them all in the river Lethe and let their own souls find their way. Uh, master Silence, is there something wrong? We can easily just move them. We don't have to take such extreme measures. She waved him off and went back to her pacing. Do as you like. Is there something you'd like to talk about, maybe? Is this about the binding? Faceless will be here tomorrow in case you're concerned about timing. My concerns are my own, she snapped. I do not require your assistance. She felt his hurt feelings fill up the quiet after her words. She didn't try and soften them. Of course, Master. Very sorry to trouble you. She turned away to stare back at the veil as he slinked out, more hound-like than usual. The annoyance of it just seemed to stoke whatever hot mass was sitting in her chest. It was doing more than making her restless. It was making her angry, she realized. My job. My life to keep the balance of these realms. Keep the Leviathans safe. Keep everyone safe. She felt her lip curl and something hard move in her gut. Something she usually only felt during the wild hunt. All this waiting around, waiting for consent, for what other people need. If they only knew how close we were to just letting the monsters loose and bathing in the flames. She paused to savor that image for a moment. So tired. Tired of losing, of failing. She slammed her fist against the stone and didn't really feel it. She spat the thought out into her own mind, resuming her pacing. Where did I go wrong? She glanced at the books on her desk. They were the same ones. Everything was the same. Enough books. She flung herself on her couch. Bored. Bored and tired of these same problems. Every century. The same souls. The same problems. The same cycle. I hate it. I hate it. She threw a book across the room. She had the overwhelming desire to go back to the prison. Alone. Without weapons or armor or anything. It would feel good to kill something with my bare hands. Several times, she thought. She stood and resumed her pacing, rolling her head back and forth on her neck. I must have been getting soft all these years. All these duties, all that time. What a waste. She flung open the doors again. Judas, she called into the hallway, irritated when he wasn't waiting for her. Judas! She growled low in her throat at the silence. Fine, ignore me, see if I care. She slammed the doors closed again and moved deeper into the study, passing her hand in front of one of the bookcases. They separated from the wall, fading into transparent nothingness, back into shadows. She'd kept these things in a rare moment of sentimentality, the first set of armor Phoebe had made for her a lifetime ago, the only set not to have broken through the years. She paused for a long moment at the threshold of what had once been Phoebe's study. She'd managed to get rid of everything else their bedroom, her clothes. Idas trailed a finger down the elaborately inlaid mother-of-pearl vines and flowers, smooth against the metal, like they'd grown two-dimensionally into the armor and rooted just over where her heart would be. She could go now, alone. The armor would probably hold. She wasn't going to be fighting any of the actual leviathans, after all, just their creations. She could just take a peek, a small look to see what the magic looked like, a cup spells, Finish the binding. It would only take a day. Probably not even that. She put her hand solidly against the black metal chest plate and felt the magic pathways search strongly with just a hint of encouragement. 
life-binding and healing, she recognized, as the forgotten spells came back to life with her magic. I'll be fine, she determined, making up her mind all at once and gathering up the equipment. Phoebe had built this armor for another Idis in another time, an Idis that had been broken and contaminated, terrified of disappearing into rage and insanity. She wondered why she'd been so afraid of that. The life-binding spell Phoebe had put on this set had been directly to address that fear of self, or rather, the loss of self. Contempt made Idis shrug the memory off. Besides, I have more practical concerns. She headed to the garden. Changing shape for an earth master was not necessarily an easy or comfortable experience. She'd heard that water masters had an easier time of it if they could actually change people's shapes for them. But she didn't have a water master handy, and she wasn't going to fit in the armor as a woman. It'd just be easier as a man. Besides, it suited her mood at the moment. In the deepest portion of her garden, she kept stone shapes just for this purpose. Her old male form was still there, held in perpetual stasis under the earth. With a thought, she hauled it out from the soil to stand in front of her. I could just go in my natural form, she thought. Save all this time and effort and just come out as a monster that I am. It would feel, be it would feel good to be free for a moment or two. She flexed, ripping her natural shape out of the stone form her tail lashing wildly as the stone image of her woman self fell backwards into the grass, discarded. Better, she thought. She already felt stronger. More like this. No need for magic. She stretched her claws and legs in relief. It would feel so good to stay just like this. Her vision hazed red for a moment. It feels so good just to let go. But no. She wanted her magic and the armor called to her. There was something about it, warm and welcoming, even though she wasn't wearing it, peaceful, stable. Something in her still wanted to get rid of the cold, even if it was just for a moment. She grasped the new stone form and melted herself into it, feeling blood pump, capillaries expand. His eyes opened again, and he stretched to settle his shape. There was a moment of disorientation and disappointment as his arms and legs became human and the power settled into something symmetrical, steady, focused. He already missed the wild violence of himself. His long hair whipped around him, the last bit of wildness that he could allow himself. But he picked up the armor, sliding on piece after piece, letting himself go cold inside again, even as the armor warmed to his skin. Her touch... He missed her more like this, like this body remembered her better. It irritated him. When this is done, he promised himself, I will break this metal. I will melt it back into the rocks it came from, and I will forget. Such an idiot, a sentimental idiot, he thought, calling up his spear from the void and settling it on his shoulder, taking a moment to stare at the vaulted ceilings above him, appreciating the light and the colors, and hating the confinement listening to the wind chime and the waters. They were beautiful. He'd made them for her to ease her homesickness without growing living things, beautiful things. And now they were so ugly to his eyes. What a waste of power. He plunged his fist into the earth, absorbing the spirits, the magic he'd cultivated here for thousands of years, ripped it out of the ground to snake along his spear in long indigo-black ribbon of flame. Around him, the garden shuddered in a long earthquake, dead, stripped of all life force. 
Only the river moves steadily through the desolation. None of this is right. I will remake everything, he thought, letting all that power morph his spear into a huge hammer that suited his mood better and strode toward the gate. And this time, I will make it properly. Phoebe wandered through his library, touching the books, running her fingers along their spines and sauntering. Sauntering. He'd never seen someone actually saunter, but she did, as if this was her place, not his. You have a lot of books, she said, picking one and flipping it open without reading it. You must spend a lot of time reading. Yes, he said, enjoying just watching her in his space. He liked the way she owned it, fearless, irresponsible. I like stories. I like knowledge. Books have both. Hmm, she said. Sounds like someone doesn't have a lot of real-world experience. He didn't respond. After a moment, she looked over her shoulder at him. In the amber light of his mage lamp, the curve of her neck and shoulders seemed perfectly highlighted, touched with gold, intensely graceful. He could see her muscles flex and the small negative spaces between her skin and the collarbone with each breath, as shadows. What, no catchy response? She turned to face him, holding one of his books, and dropped it, intentionally on the floor. He felt a moment of regret to lose the achingly sensual shape of her neck in the light, and then another moment of irritation and attraction to her messing up his things. Don't throw books, he said, but didn't get up out of his chair, resisting the urge to go clean up after her. She held eye contact as she picked out another one from the shelf and dropped it next to the first. Oh, you don't like that? Oh, that's a shame. She turned her back to him again and moved randomly through the shelves. So tell me, Shadow Mage, what are you going to do with me now that you got me all trapped in your lair? She tilted another book down, letting it fall agonizingly slow as she looked at him insolently. I'm not going to do anything with you, he said, trying not to grind his teeth and feeling an almost physical compulsion to pick up the books. You will not manipulate me, he thought stubbornly. Thunder had said that green mages were challenging. Idas was beginning to get a glimmer of understanding about why. And stop messing with my books. They're fine on the shelves, not on the floor. Uh-huh, she said, letting another one fall. You're really not going to do anything about it? Stop it. Stop what? Baiting me. It won't work. He didn't know if he said it for her benefit or his. She smiled at him. Okay. She pulled another one down, and he felt the muscles in his back and shoulder constrict. What's your name, Shadow Mage? she asked, nudging the books aside with her foot. He liked the delicate-looking way the sandals laced up her calf, and she knew it by the way she arched and held it still, framed for him to admire. Silence. Oh, silence. How appropriate. No, Shadow Mage, what's your real name? It's none of your business. She sighed and pouted at him. Inquiring minds want to know. You kidnapped me. You realize? You dragged me into the underworld. I'm your prisoner. You're nothing of the kind. I'll take you home whenever you want. She laughed and wandered closer to his desk. Oh, I can leave myself. I saw the gate when we came in. She waved her hand absently at the library doors. I just wanted to see your place. He could feel his teeth grinding together and couldn't help it. She was so annoying. But he wanted to keep looking at her. 
All that bronze-brown skin made interesting shadows in the light, and he kept seeing golden sparkles as she moved. It was intoxicating. "'Your trouble,' he said, in a voice that surprised him. It was too deep, and it ground out of him from a place he didn't recognize. "'Leave, then.' "'Now, now,' Mage silenced, she said, mockingly wagging a finger at him. "'Guest rights are still a thing in the world of high magic, aren't they? "'Shouldn't you offer me something to drink, something to eat?' She moved very close to him, so close he had to make a conscious effort not to scoot the chair back as she pressed against his legs and rested her hips on the desk. A bath? Aren't you going to ask me my name, Silence? You can, if you want. He didn't say anything. He was overcome with an intense need to put his hands around her waist, to breathe her in. Dream goddess of lust, he thought woozily. Thunder was right. Tone it down, he said sharply. You don't need to seduce me. You're welcome to stay here or go or whatever you want. What a curious boy, she said after a moment, seemingly surprised. Most people don't fight me so hard. What if I want to see what it's like with a fae? Oh, I can't be your first, he said. She shrugged. No, but you're different. Odd. All repressed. She slipped off his desk and onto his lap, letting her knees sink to either side of him. He couldn't stop his hand this time from resting on her hip, and he couldn't stop leaning into her, feeling warm sunshine and flowers fill his sense. So gentle, she said, a little wonderingly. All those emotions, all pent up and still so gentle. She rubbed her face lightly against his neck, pressing against him cheek to cheek, and moved his other hand to her face, pressing a kiss into his palm and resting it on her heart. What are you? Why are you holding back, Shadow Mage Silence? Don't you want to know what it would be like? I already know, he said. But his voice was gravel and rust, thick. Something constricted painfully in his chest as he let his hand creep back to her jaw and neck, finally able to touch the hollows of the light. I'm not like you. I can only love one at a time. That's all right, she said. You can love me for now. She pressed closer into him, undoing his shirt and letting her lips skin his collarbone. He couldn't breathe. Spring, wait, just... She stopped. You do know me. He nodded. A smile played around her mouth as she brushed her lips against his again lightly. Shadow Mage, have you been spying on me? No, of course not. I... Her eyes were green gold, like planetary nebulas, swirling with light and facets of shadow. He forgot what he was saying. No. She went back to nuzzling him, obviously delighted. Shadow mage, am I your first? He closed his eyes and tried to count in Etruscan. Tried to distract himself from the smell of flowers in his hair and on his skin. Please, he said, but he didn't know if it was to ask her to stop or to keep going. Tell me your name, Silence, she said coaxingly as she started to rock her hips very slightly. Tell me your real name. No, he managed to gasp. I want to know, Silence. She opened his shirt to scrape her fingernails up and down his chest. You have to tell me. Don't you love me? No, but the word came out as more of a moan. She undid his belt. Spring, stop. Stop what, she teased. He framed her face, needing her in a way that had nothing to do with her physical nature, focused completely on her eyes in a way that no one had done before, absorbed. 
Please love me back, he whispered, moving his thumbs over her cheekbones and nuzzling against her nose as he drew her into him and felt her lips open. They'd made it to the couch at some point. He didn't remember how, and he didn't care. Spring was stretched out on top of him, one leg dangling to the floor, one arm flung across his chest. Her own body half cradled in the cushions and the rest wrapped up in him. He settled her more fully against him and cradled her head with his palm, pulling her bronze hair away from her face with his other hand. Brown skin against his own pale white. He felt something break inside him and caught his breath, like a dislocated limb reset. It hurt, but felt infinitely better. My name is Idis, he said quietly. She looked up at him. Hello, Idis, she said, mock serious, imitating his tone. Can you guess my name? Phoebe. She braced herself up on his chest. Wide hazel eyes were shocked. How did you know that? He smiled at her and motioned to the books. I looked it up. She followed his hand wave. No, you didn't. I did. How? When? We just met today. He laughed at her as she smacked his shoulder. Seriously, I'm not joking, Shadow Man. How did you do that? He laughed harder, pulling her back down to his chest, ignoring her indignation and mutterings to taste flowers again. Chloe opened her eyes, trying to heave for breath. The world was a confusing mass of brilliant colors and movement that looked like a kaleidoscope of people and machinery. Something heavy and stifling was covering her mouth. She ripped it off. An oxygen mask. IV tubes were stuck into her skin. She was in a hospital gown. The people around her were human, nurses, a doctor. Where, she started only to break apart, coughing with the effort. Her voice felt corroded and unused. Someone patted her with a towel and tried very insistently to put the oxygen mask on her again. She pushed them away and brushed off the soothing words and hands, trying to put her back down to the pillow. Something's wrong, she started again. I need... In a moment, a sound like breaking waves started in her mind. Memories flooded through her. Her memories. All of them. She could feel her magic reaching up to gobble the knowledge, her own skin, her own shape, herself. All of it came rushing back. Nemocene, she thought fuzzily. The pool was Nemocene. Why didn't I think of that? She could feel her own bones lengthening, her hair growing, her hands thinning. Golden magic, unused for all this time, misted around her like a halo of sun in the forest. She could hear the humans making odd noises, but all she cared about was the music of living things again, the life force that fed her. She tilted her head back to let that living energy slip down her throat like water and fill her up from the inside out. It tastes like sunshine and flowers, she thought, delighted. Delicious. The golden mist thickened around her, wrapping her up in light light that transmuted her hospital gown to a tunic and, and laced sandals. Her skin changed to translucent ash bark, her hair twined with ivy and wisteria as she laughed, holding out her hands in sheer exuberance in the damn break of magical understanding. Trees punched through the hospital room, vines wrapped their tendrils around the windows to break the concrete and steel. Dandelions and tiny flowers with no names spread everywhere around her as the spring queen took her first steps back into the world through the broken shell of her hospital room wall. She ran. She ran as though there were wings on her feet, on her feet, as if her legs were air. 
Through the cold winter, she ran through the snow and the dark. It couldn't touch her. Streets she knew as Chloe whizzed underneath her, and all she could feel was a warm breeze from the east. It tasted like ancient tears, but the sheer joy of catching it, of feeling it lift her feet, made her laugh. She urged the elemental faster as if riding a horse, letting a trail of misty gold spin out from her heart behind her, waking up the earth, unfolding, unfolding hidden life buried under cold. Power flowed through her, power she remembered but hadn't felt in a long, long time. And him. I'm coming, beloved, she thought, eyes alight in wanton exuberance and joy. Wait for me. Ida screamed into the creature's face, smashing what was left of it in a two-handed swing that severed its spine and flung the abomination's head back into the ruined plane of what had been Elysia. The usual night-black sludge wrapped around his weapon and moved towards the handle. He didn't care. Felt good to destroy something himself. Good to have everything simple for once. The broken fragments of another ruined soul, another mishapen monster, rolled towards him, and he smashed it to earth, glorying as black flames expanded around him. The things looked like Ankh's experiments. Crafted souls too misshapen and hapless to live could still survive with her magic in them. He tried not to remember that it was her spells that had grafted his new body together and kept him alive. She breathed new life without thinking, and he took it. But it is a terrible thing to behold, he thought, wrenching around and rolling away as a huge worm with a mouth full of teeth larger than his house at crossroads, broke through the earth in front of him, screaming with a sound like the tortured damned. And I would know, he thought bringing a web of energy out from his hammer to trap the creature as he morphed the weapon into its original slim spear shape to slice through its underbelly in a long throw. It collapsed in a long, slow scream at Idas's feet. He held still to watch it bleed out its life as adrenaline and ferociousness excitement flooded through him. Intoxication. Freedom. He whispered his spear's name into the silence of death, and it returned to him, settling into his hand as an old friend. Hyperion, he shouted into the depths. Are you still alive? I've come to kill you finally. A slow shuffle and the sounds of heavy chains being dragged to the lip of the crevice whispered to Idas as the great leviathan inched its way towards him. The ruins of Idas's closest friend. Do not toy with me, it said, breathing labored and rasping as it moved closer. I have been here too long. I have waited for you. The words swirled out of the cave, out of nothingness, and lit on Idas like they had wings. I know, said Idas, almost bored as the huge creature finally made it close enough for Idas to see its ruined body. The chains he and Phaistos had made and placed on it millennia ago. Against his will, Hyperion's appearance started him, startled him just a little. Instead of just shadows, the great void stared at him from Hyperion's mirrored skin. Has he only been getting stronger while here, Idas thought? Betrayal and failure making something bitter rise up in his throat at the realization. When I bound him here, he was still a man, and now... This thing... Hyperion radi radiated power like a sun. Nothing human or fey remained in him, just the seething energies of the cosmos that he had been obsessed with. 
Even just standing in front of him, I just could feel magic pouring into him in a never-ending stream. No, a river. A one-way river fueled by, the fueled by the very movements of the stars and planets. Hyperion released a black orb from his shadowy depths. It wafted towards Idas, slow and easy as if caught on a breeze. Instinctively, Idas drew a lattice of power made of steel-sharp wire silk to collapse the orb. It instead split it into dozens of tiny ones, tiny bubbles sucking magic and life out of everything they touched. Idas trying to burn them away. His flames were consumed. He scoured the air with his spear, tearing apart the veil between worlds before casting a net to haul the orbs into that rift. The earth heaved as the rift tried to consume the planes, and Idas closed it with a desperate command. Hyperion made a sound like metal on stone again. His magic was obviously effortless for him. I cannot beat him, Idas thought, almost in relief. I gave them all the time they needed to grow as strong as they wanted while I wasted my power and my life. Clear, unvarnished rage and loss wiped his heart clean in a moment. It was all a waste, all of it. Me, them, this. I'll destroy it, or myself. It doesn't matter. I'm tired of playing this game, he said instead, of taking care of all of you. Idas whispered a word of power and felt rhythms swirl of power swirl against the spear. I'm going to unmake all of this and try again. I'll get it right this time, I'm sure. He wheeled and blasted Hyperion with the spell, launching the weapon to what could be considered the creature's face, trying to consume the greater elemental's power with his own, undo the fragile bonds of consciousness holding Hyperion together. Hyperion flicked his finger and time stopped, reversed itself, and Idas found himself holding the spear again, staring at, its, at his old friend. He felt something black move in his heart. The despair made him laugh. I'm going to lose. Thank God. Now, Hyperion, I've got quite a few of you to kill today, so why don't you just be a sport and die already? Kill? Hyperion made a sound like boulders falling down a hill. It took Idas a moment to realize he was laughing. You cannot kill what does not exist. Another sound, like metal scraping on steel, almost like a sigh. And you, the great preserver, cannot kill yourself. Who says I wanted to kill myself? asked Idas, reasonably, leaning his spear against his shoulder. I just felt bad about leaving you trapped in this hole all these years. Hyperion rumbled in his chest, coming to the edge of his prison. He was bigger than Idas remembered, darker. His malformed body was bent and so slender as to be almost plant-like, but he towered in height. Swirls of nebulas and shifting starlight seemed to expand and contract his form in a way that made Idas slightly sick, and he avoided his eyes. Hyperion's eyes were beautiful and terrible. They had been even when Idas had been his student all those years ago. His friend. Why come to me first, little brother? The great Leviathan asked. Did you come to see what would happen? Did you come because you want what I have? What would happen? Idas shrugged it off. I know what will happen. I'm going to kill you and the others and all the miserable lives sucking out my power and my time. I'm tired of being your babysitter. 
I'm tired of following rules and taking care of everyone else's problems. He stared up at the curved ceiling. It doesn't matter. Nothing matters. It's all just a bore. He glanced at Hyperion. At least killing you will be interesting. Hyperion's long, cadaver-thin fingers, mirroring stars instead of flesh, reached across the distance between them, elongating like shadows. Idis could see the swell and the movement of planets in the void of his fingers as they came close. And just closed his eyes. He should do something. Stop him. Anything. He didn't. He had the impression Hyperion was smiling at him, though the Leviathan didn't have a face anymore. Nothing but a field of stardust and pulsars for eyes. I just forgot. Wanting to see into those pulsars as Hyperion's long shadows framed his face. You should be here. With us. It is a waste to restrain yourself, Hyperion said almost reverently. You are like me. You should see what I see in the wheel of time and space. Idis relaxed into Hyperion's shadows. It was burning, cleansing, excruciating cold. Hyperion was the void now, time, consciousness, the devourer of worlds. Even in chains, he chewed at all things, stealing away their lives, their essences, moment by moment. All Idis had done was slow him down. Now, he fell into the light, seeing the un seeing universes of all things wheel around him in constant motion and gloried in the pointlessness of it all. That Hyperion was more free than he ever was just by his nature. That the prison that Idis had built for him literally meant nothing. That joy and despair were identical and empty in the vastness of all things. Idis suddenly found it hilarious, and he laughed out loud. The contagion, the madness... He felt bubbling amusement filling up his chest. All of it was just here. Madness was wisdom, the nature of power. It was just another element built of knowledge. Why had he been so afraid of it? Why kill it? He wanted it. Wanted more of it, of everything. Hyperion released him, fingers retracting back to his chains. Y you see? There is only the void. Madness? No, there is no madness. It is reality. You are already mad. Idis laughed deep belly laughs. He hadn't felt in a long time. He spun his spear in one hand, wrapping it up again in the earth magic of death, of undoing and of unmaking. Let it burn with indigo black flames as he leapt into the heart of Hiberian, of the void. In a clean sweep, he smashed the binding chains to pieces. Then let it burn, brother, he shouted to Hyperion. The Leviathan was already morphing, twisting, expanding as if he was a cosmic wave spreading over the horizon. The plane went black and deep. Deep silence held the world for a moment. Then a small crack appeared in the cathedral of stone and magic Idis and the others had erected here. The ceiling cracked piece by piece as Hyperion consumed it, and the magic tying the leviathans to the earth. In a moment, the great prison collapsed. Hyperion's blackness was already spreading into the material realm beyond as the other leviathans stirred. 
Idas held up his arms, breathing deeply, savoring the return of power as his bindings fell one by one, as the veil separating worlds ripped open and Hyperion's great, beautiful darkness spread over everything. In the mortal realm, Phoebe felt a hammer of pain as something dark started to swallow up her magic. From the air, she looked up, seeing midnight violet black darkness devouring the winter sky. Light disappeared. Electrical systems failed with smashing, popping noises underneath her, and sparks littered the streets. Unfurling from the night, galaxies, nebulas, new cosmos rolled into view as if the sky had turned to a giant projector revealing the Hubble's last photographs. Hyperion. She could taste that ancient magic in the back of her throat. Beautiful, cold, dead, the void. She could feel his power invading the places between her atoms, chewing up her in an endless nothing. Instinctively, she wrapped herself in soft golden mycelia and bound herself together with tight magical threads, forcing him out. Idas, what have you done? She thought, feeling a drumbeat of horror. Life was draining out of the mortal realm too quickly. Instead of winter, the cold was the sub-zero emptiness of open space. If even she was suffering... Humans dropped where they stood, exhausting, freezing in the endless night. Cars with dead engines and incapacitated drivers slid off roads and plunged into buildings. The roads themselves cracked and heaved as things started to pull themselves out of the soil. Out of the soil. Roiling masses of twisted light forms crawled out from trees, from the soil. Most froze in the cold, but some... And the dead. As if someone had reversed the flow of time... Wraiths, skeletal fingers clawed up from frozen ground, staggering as if in pain, some still with their vocal cords intact enough to scream. Ankh, thought Phoebe. Pockets of the world began to disappear and reappear, sliding into and out of dimensions, leaving burnt earth, or desiccated circles, or dimensional contamination. Whole buildings slipped into and out of those circles, leaving only ruins behind, or reduced their first construction or reduced to their first construction days in broken time. Chunks of the city were transposed with alternate dimensions in an ever-changing kaleidoscope of effects and suffering. Summon. Phoebe's nausea got worse. She uncurled her magic to reach out to the ground beneath her, slowing the zephyr and opening the gate between realms, only to see that there was no need. Deep chasms in the earth were tearing open, the boundaries between realms had already failed. She could feel the rumblings even in the air, feel the soul-sick lurch and heave as rock ripped apart, liquefied in the tremendous pressures. Belching fire and the hiss of snow against lava. Lava. As Kulail woke up and... As Kulail woke up. <laughs> well, at least he's warm, thought Phoebe in sardonic unamusement. Kulail and Ankh have more than enough energy to entertain Hyperion so he doesn't eat us right away, I suppose. Her stomach clenched. She felt like someone was ripping her insides out slowly. The magical pressure was intense as the elemental leviathans all stretched out to touch a realm hidden from them for millennia. She could feel their power crushing her. Everything is going to die. Idis. I have to find Idis. If the dead were rising and the bindings were all broken, maybe he was dead. Maybe he had turned. She shoved that thought deep, far away from her consciousness. 
Ida's turned Leviathan was too much to think about. I have to find him. She let go and fell into one of the chasms, just relaxed out of the air and fell into the stone-turned fire that had been the solid earth beneath her. Her skin turned to thick bark, and she threw out a long root, binding it to the memory of Crossroads, and let it pull her deeper and deeper, sending her home. I'm sorry, Idis. Please be there. Please be there. Please don't be dead. She repeated it to herself over and over again as a mantra, focusing her magic and driving her into the heart of the earth, back to Crossroads, back home. Rock layers zoomed past her and magma reached out to taste her skin before slipping away to follow the pressure of the new volcano Kuleil had called. It looked like an open wound, bleeding fire. She could feel her hair burning, her skin burning, even through the bark. She closed her eyes against the pain and felt a moment of clean regret for Idis's still, cold garden in the deeps. I'm so sorry. The underworld was just as chaotic as the mortal realm. Idis's beautiful house was in ruins. The earth rolled and rippled with aftershocks, and every few steps Phoebe had to catch herself to avoid another debris pile, a collapsing structure, or just the sheer challenge of walking on moving, liquefying stone. There was only screaming and the rough grind of rock on rock. She'd come to the garden. It was dead. In horror, she looked around, seeing only ashen ruins and desolation where there should have been life and color. Dead elementals. Power had been sucked out of them, ruthlessly. Only the river ran through the shattered remains of stone pillars and dark emptiness. And as she looked more closely, she realized that the river itself had stopped. It was eerily frozen in midstream, as if it had changed to obsidian, in mid-flow. She tapped it with her finger. It ran like a mineral. She panicked. Nothing should have been able to stop the river sticks. Nothing. Except Idis. Except Idis consuming it all. Drinking animus from the souls of all things carried in it. Leviathan. Silence. She screamed, not believing it. Terrified. Silence, please answer me. Nothing but the sounds of collapse and pain from the city itself. She plunged her hands into the dead garden, trying not to recoil at the feel of it crawling up her skin, trying to pull her into it, and let her hands and arms shoot like roots, extensions of her mind. She pumped power into her limbs, feeling them crawl throughout the city in a violent, unrestrained growth, searching for him. Vines and shoots covered the rocks, spreading, binding the earth together again, strong roots, knitting the foundation of the building together. Mycelia spread out in exponentially increasing circles, tying up cracks and crevices. Trees shot up to hold the ceilings up, stopping the worst of the collapses. But he wasn't here. In her mind, she cast out her thoughts like dandelion puffs to ride the wind, waiting for a glimmer of his scent, a tiny call of his magic. She brought her hands back, holding them close to her mouth as she breathed out, forming tiny moonflower blossoms that hovered just above her fingertips, waiting for instructions. He tastes like cold rock and rain on the mountain, she told the pale petals, closing her eyes to better picture Idis clearly in her mind. Remembering the way he smelled, tasted, the way he loved her hair, the way he always looked too serious and tired to be handsome, and the way his face lit up when she entered the room. She told the petals about his indigo-black magic that felt like shade on a summer's day and the way he would rather read than socialize. This is him. This is mine. 
Please find him for me and show me the way. She breathed out, blowing them gently into the cavern. As soon as they left her hands, the flowers flowed like liquid moonlight, pooling in rock crevices, shooting up chasm walls, leaping like light itself out towards the city. Please find him. Mistress! Phoebe's eyes shot open. Magda was running towards her in dog form. Mistress, I'm so glad, so glad you're here. You're here! Her tail wagged madly. The hellhound wound around and around Phoebe's legs, shoving her muzzle against her palm and crowding against her. Yes, there, puppy, said Phoebe, running her fingers along the hound's ears soothingly. I need to find Master. Where is he? I don't know, she wailed. We've been all alone, and Judas is hurt and won't talk to me, and there's something wrong with everyone, and all I smell is fear and pain, and Master's gone. What do you mean? Never mind. Take me to Judas, she said, starting to run, trusting Magda would take over. Show me. They were in her hospital. The building had managed to survive the earthquakes and was disturbingly empty. Her vines and roots were everywhere, like living mortar. And now that the city wasn't collapsing, there was just an eerie stillness, a silence that shouldn't be. The city felt dead and broken. Where are all the people, Maggie? She said, softly moving towards the back of the building, towards Judas. Where are all the souls? Magda gave her mournful eyes. They just disappeared. And the elementals just died. One moment everything was normal, the next I heard Master shouting and people just stopped. Some had awful wounds or wouldn't stop screaming, others burned or or came undone, I guess, and then things started falling apart. Silence, whispered Phoebe, feeling cold again. She gasped when they finally reached Judas. Phaistos was sitting with him, metal leg braced on the bed, a halo of steel spanning the inside of the ceiling and walls, holding it steady against the earth. He nodded to her. Mr. Spring, glad to see you're back. Glad to be back, old man, she said. What happened? Judas was in his human form. His original human form. His hands and feet had been hacked off. His head was now attached to his body with thin sutures of steel, obviously, obviously Phaistos' careful work. A huge gash under his left breast still bled sluggishly, again, closed with careful sutures, but not mended. But the worst... The worst that was that someone had ripped his magic out. Phoebe saw through his skin, translucent by her power, to the shape of what should have been his soul. His magic, Judas's contract with hell, was that he would retain his soul and serve in perpetuity. Constant, unending loyalty from both him and silence. That soul would be forgiven, healed, filled up with the magic of the earth of silence himself to bring in peace. Idas had ripped it all out. All of it, severed the contract and taken back the power, leaving Judas broken and suffering, just as the day he'd been murdered. What was left of Judas was trying, to, was killing itself from the inside out, but unable to die. Silence did this to you, she said. Judas looked back, to her, back at her with mute, pain-filled eyes. He can't nod or talk, miss. Can't move at all, said Phaistos. I found the poor thing coming in to give Silence his new armor, saw Silence look at him and just say, I release you, and then watched him just... Phaistos waved his hands helplessly. 
I can't heal in this, you understand. I'm just a metalsmith, not one of your kind. One of my kind, thought Phoebe, shuddering. If Idas had done this to the creature closest to him in the universe, his left arm, his lieutenant. Idas, no, please don't make me do this. That's perfectly fine, Phaestro, she said, comfortingly. I'm here now. She said again, quietly to Judas. I'm here. He closed his eyes in absolute suffering, unable to say a word or feel anything but betrayal, grief, worthlessness, whatever was running through his mind. Exactly what Idas had tried to heal all those centuries ago. She closed her eyes. She had been there once upon a time when Idas had built this contract for Judas. The memory was still strong, thanks to Nemosine's gift. What are you going to do, she'd asked, curious, as Idas had knelt next to the ruined body Thanatos had brought to him. The fay tossed his mane and stamped his foot impatiently above them. Idas stared deep into his eyes as if seeing what had brought this person to him. Thanatos bowed his head. Phoebe leaned closer to her husband, concerned as she saw silent tears roll down his face. Silence? Are you all right? What? He waved her off, scrubbing the tears away. I'm, I'm fine. I'm sorry. He smiled sadly at her. I should be used to all these sad stories by now, but I just can't seem to help it. Sad stories? He nodded, turning to look at the body beneath him and brushing the hair back from the body's face, carefully, since it was matted with blood and dirt. His friends abandoned him, exiled him. He's been alone for many, many years. When they finally came for him, they dismembered him while he was still living, so that he could see their faces. He glanced at her. They were his family and former friends. He sighed. And this poor man was still so grateful to see them, to not be alone when he died, even as they were killing him. She felt her throat tighten. Oh, that's... that's awful. Yes, sighed Idas. I understand, brother, he said softly to the body. I understand what that's like. He cut off a lock of his hair, which had wrapped protectively around him, and pressed it into the dead man's chest. With the other, he pressed his palm into the earth, and stone oozed up to cover the body. I will share. Part of my magic will be in you. You will be part of me. May you always have a family and a home here. You'll be bound to crossroads to serve in perpetuity, and will be my personal servant. As he spoke, black indigo shadows wove around the body. The black hair burrowed and spread all along the man's skin. His shattered limbs started to reform, curling into those of a hound. His head reattached, grew long ears and silky soft black fur. Idas rubbed his hands along it, helping the magic root and restore what was left of its soul. And I will give you a new form, he said, smiling, one more suited to your heart. Lying curled up at Idas's knees was the first hellhound, Cerberus, guardian of Tartarus. Phoebe felt her breath catch as his soul returned. Judas licked Idas's hand, and Idas wrapped arms around him, unable to stop smiling. Judas wagged his tail. Welcome home, he said. We shall let you keep your name so you always know who you are, said Idas. But you'll have a home and a life here with me. And me, said Phoebe, coming to rest a hand on her husband's shoulder. You're not alone anymore either, and quit forgetting me, she said under her breath to Idas. Idas leaned back to look at her and covered her hand with his own. Of course. Judas, I'm Master Silence, 
Meet your mistress, the Spring Queen. Phoebe blinked. Oh, was I ever that young, she thought, shaking her head. I'm a blithering idiot. All these years wasted. Poor silence. What was I thinking? She cleared her throat. Judas, as your mistress, I do not release you from your contract, she said, starting to weave her own golden magic through the old spell Idas had built long ago. Your name is Judas the Betrayer, Cerberus, Guardian of Tartarus, Lieutenant of Death, Servant of the Spring Queen. I name you, and thus know you. I do not release you. When she said his name, his true name, the golden glow snapped into a rigid shell of light surrounding him like a crystalline flower, transparent and lit from within with light. She reached through the crystal onto his chest where Idas's hair was still burned into his flesh. And unlike silence, she said, smiling mostly to herself with the small joke, I don't need to cover you with dirt to get this done. No one laughed. She closed her eyes to picture the transmutation spell, feeling her magic wash like water over the man, letting the flower tighten over his form, manipulating it back into old patterns that silence had etched into his body and spirit. Let golden healing energy knit up the spaces between and reform shapes, soothing his heart and restoring the gaping wound Idis had left. She gave a small sigh of relief as she felt the last of the energy leave her fingers and fall into Judas. As she opened her eyes, a golden chrysanthemum flared on his skin before silky black fur bristled all over him. A snout emerged, four, le four lean legs, a bushy tail that thumped appreciatively. She leaned back against the bed, bemused with herself. Behold what hell hath wrought, she said, just a touch facetiously. Looks pretty good, doesn't it, my puppy, to Judas. Not bad for my first official transmutation. She took his face into her hands. Now, my pet, please tell me where silence is. Mournful eyes stared back at her, but whole, peaceful ones, as he pressed his face gratefully into her hands. Mistress, he said, I'm sorry, I'm so sorry, I couldn't stop him. I know, I know all this, it's not your fault. Tell me, Cerberus, she said, feeling command creep into her voice. Tell me what you know. Idas inhaled the cold air, feeling free for the first time ever. He could feel Hyperion's aching nothingness rooting around inside him, and he didn't care. Phoebe's armor was still holding. He'd be able to survive for a little while longer, which was all he really cared about. He just wanted to see it all burn before falling into the void. Hyperion, he shouted into the slow sweep of the cosmos that held him. Hyperion, you can't just dump me here. I want to watch. Watch? came the sonorous voice from nothing. Watch what? The end of all things, he called back. I want to see the realms destroy themselves. Ah, uh, yes, little brother, I will show you. A wheel of frozen gas and water came together, as if Hyperion was going to put together a huge view screen of ice for him. No, 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 asshole. I want to be down on one of the planets myself. Send me to Earth again. Send me to Earth so I can ride and drink in all the death you're causing. Idas laughed to himself, finding it all very amusing. I want to feel all that power in my gut before we all implode. He gave an explosive sigh. I want to suck everyone dry. Just eat all that power until I'm so full I can't breathe. Earth. What is the point of that? 
There is no point. I just want to get drunk, Ida said, slightly sullen. I have no interest in just floating here until you break apart the bonds holding my atoms together. I want to go out with a bang. Bang? Bang, that's right. Help me out here, old man. That was the deal. I'd help you escape. You'd finally kill me and take the world with it, and I'd get to watch. Ida stopped, considering. And I know this wasn't strictly in the binding spell, but if possible, could you drop me somewhere near my wife? I think I'd like to take a bite of her first. He grinned, delighted with the idea. After all these years, I'd like to put her out of her misery, and I love the taste of flowers in the morning. Wife, what is this? Uh, yeah, happened a bit after we locked you away. Forgot you hadn't met her. Don't worry, he said, putting his hands behind his head as he floated in the great nothingness that was Hyperion's mind and the remnants of what had been his best friend. She tastes delicious. You're gonna love her. Hurricane stepped out of the blue-tinged white gate in the courtyard and threw herself at Phoebe, wrapping her up in a hug. I'm so sorry, Spring. I'm so sorry I did that. I'm so sorry we were late. I'm so sorry for everything. She gripped Phoebe's shoulders and looked at her carefully. It's you, right? Memosine worked? Phoebe nodded, feeling choked up. Hurricane pulled her back into a hug as Ocean stepped through the gate and collapsed the energies on themselves. At least with the veil almost gone, travel has become easier, thought Phoebe, closing her eyes to hold onto Hurricane more tightly. I didn't call you here for the damage, she said to her, into Hurricane's hair, hair. I called you here because silence is gone. Gone? Hurricane's whole body tightened nervously. What do you mean, gone? He's turned, said Phoebe, having trouble getting the words out. He's the one that released Hyperion. It's him. She buried her face deeper into Hurricane, appreciating the soothing circles the other woman drew on her back. We're going to have to kill him. My silence. Gone. Oh, spring. There has to be. Silence figured out how to save the Leviathans from themselves long ago. I'm, I'm sure we can do the same. We don't have to kill him. Don't we? Phoebe felt tears running down her face, but wasn't conscious of crying. She could only feel a knot of regret and fear and desperation. He's had generations to develop these spells. He's ripped out all the magic from Crossroads. She broke away from Hurricane to gesture at the building and the raw stone damage littering the palace. He's sucked every soul dry in this realm and the next. And you've seen what he's done to the place between realms. He's ruined everything. It was getting hard to breathe again, and she realized tears were clogging up her voice. He even broke contract with Judas, Hurricane. Judas! He loves Judas! He... She could hear her voice getting higher with panic and tried urgently to make it sound less hysterical, less emotional, more like silence. I need him, Hurricane. I need him, and he's not here. He's broken inside, and I don't know how to fix it. Ocean cleared his throat awkwardly and patted her shoulder. Silence wouldn't turn. I'm sure it's just a misunderstanding. Phoebe shook her head. Look at us what's happening! She shouted, waving at the ceiling, at the gate to the mortal realm. Tell me that's not Hyperion and Silence working together. Why isn't this place flooded with the dead? Why, Ocean? You know it's because Silence is consuming them faster than they can fall. He's powering this whole mess. You know it. Hyperion shouldn't be this strong already. At that moment, the earth split again, 
a wrenching, gut-twisting quake that wrung the courtyard out like a wet towel and settled it back in all the wrong places. Ocean put his hands to the earth, pulsing a quick burst of blue-white around them, stabilizing the underworld briefly. Well, he said slowly, it never occurred to me that silence would consume his own elementals. Never thought he'd leave underworld, honestly. Ocean seemed to be having trouble processing the thought. He's always just been there, steady as a rock. Yes, dear, said Hurricane, patting him gently. Spring is asking for our help in bringing him back, because he's obviously not steady. She turned to Phoebe. We have plenty of water elementals that can help delay some of the effects on the civilians in the other realms. Kedis and Eris also have their crews dispatched to try and heal the effects of whatever Silence and Hyperion have done. He released them all, whispered Phoebe. All the Leviathans. Freed. By himself? But how? asked Ocean, incredulous. It took us a thousand years to build up Tartarus. We restore it constantly. How did he rip it apart in a day? I don't know, said Phoebe, and I have no idea what we're going to do about it. Yes, you do, said Hurricane, letting steel and violence in her voice. If Silence wants to watch the world burn, we'll bury him in it. Irresponsible man. Selfish. How dare he? She turned to her husband. Call Thunder down here. We're going hunting. I thought you said we didn't have to kill him, said Phoebe. Weren't you hopeful? Of course. I live in hope. I can still beat the shit out of him without killing him, said Hurricane, cracking her knuckles and letting her power spin out in a turquoise silver trail, increasing her height, turning her skin blue-green, and causing her hair to lash in invisible storm winds. The light wrapped around her in sparks of iridescent silver and green, materializing armor and a hammer into her hands. Oh, dear, said Ocean, watching as his wife turned a savage, joyful smile in their direction. It's been years since I've seen her this fired up. He gave Phoebe a significant look. I sure hope she gets to kill something before she gets her hand on silence, or else there may not be that much left of him to save. Hurricane laughed, and her voice was deeper, stranger, like the sound of wind screaming through stone. I will drag him home, she said, as her body took up a fighting stance and wind whipped around her. Phoebe could smell the sea and ozone rising with each word. And I will smash his face in what he has done. I will break all these leviathans and throw them into Hyperion's mad mind. She licked her lips. I can't wait. What are we still doing here? Let's get out there and destroy something. Phoebe held out her hands and held her breath just a little as Hurricane's power swirled around her. A plan might be good. You know, before battling the greatest elementals in the universe. We could talk it over a bit. Hurricane's eyes flashed and her mouth curled up in contempt. Greatest elementals. I could crush them. Don't insult me. Wind rushed around them, flinging debris and rock into their faces. A terrible, howling wind with an edge of thunder in it. Phoebe's throat felt dry, and she could feel the hair on her forearm start to tingle with static. And something else. Something old and terrible. Ocean cleared his throat. Rael, stop it. We will listen to Phoebe. We will work together. Contain yourself until the battle is before you. Hurricane glared at him, but the terrible violence pulsing around her eased slightly. She let her form shrink and let her hammer dissipate in a shimmer of turquoise at power. I don't know why you need to invoke my name over something so trivial. 
or why you both are being such wimps. She crossed her arms and looked away. Thunder could have just been the cleanup crew for us. There are innocents suffering, Rael, and you have responsibilities. Do not forget, said her husband. She waved his words away. Yes, I'm back. I'll stop. Stop nagging. I'll pay attention. She looked over to Phoebe. Well, spring, what do we do? Phoebe looked at their expectant faces. Well, silence always starts in the library, so maybe we should too? She shrugged a little helplessly. She had a whole bunch of journals and spellbooks in there. Maybe we can imitate the bindings she made and go after each leviathan one by one. You know, like you three did in the beginning. Yes, said Ocean. Good idea. Those were good days. He gave an intimate look to Hurricane. It was almost as fun trying to bring you down as it was to marry you. It'll be like our honeymoon all over again. Hurricane gave him another vicious smile laced with lust and violence. You only married me because I was about to kill you and you knew you couldn't beat me, she said as the wind picked up again. Ocean reached out with a midnight blue arm, punching through her armor, fisting one hand in her tunic to drag her close to him as the wind howled and he stared into her eyes. She stared back insolently, challengingly, wrapping her own hands in his shirt. Yes, he said simply. Phoebe averted her eyes and backed away slowly from all that intensity, headed towards the library, feeling empty and terribly lonely. Get a room, you two, she shouted at them to fight off the sensation. And don't break anything. We've got enough problems without you two trying to drown each other. Don't tell me what to do, shouted Hurricane. Phoebe felt a hint of optimism rise in her heart before throttling it back. Hope is a disease, she thought. I wish I could just scrape out all these feelings and needs, just be empty inside. She closed her eyes as a sudden spurt of understanding shot through her. Like silence did? Oh, my poor shadow. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry I didn't love you back. That is the end of episode four. Come back next week.